welcome to Same Minds. I'm Natya. And I'm Ellie. And we're probably the same person. So, Ellie, this week I've been thinking about how we value women. As a society or individually? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Small questions only on this podcast. We don't like big (laughs) themes. It kind of happened today. I'm working at a babysitting group. Yes, I'm working. I'm babysitting a family. I can't English, but I am babysitting a family. And we were playing with these intricate princess dolls. This is a tangent, but the princess dolls, all their faces are completely wrong, and none of them look the same as they do in the movies, and it really annoys me. That's unrelated. But but the girl was like, I want to be these two princesses, because they're the prettiest. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, Mulan literally took out a whole army, but you be Princess Jasmine. Cool, because she's the prettiest. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of that recently, too. But, oh no, I definitely just forgot. I had a whole thing to say, and now I forgot it. (laughs) Yeah, especially with Barbies. Like, the way they're shaped and stuff is so non-representative of 90% of the female population. And, um... From a young age, we're taught that that is what's beautiful, and that's what we have to be to be beautiful. You can't be anything other than that. You can't be bigger than that. And um, this is actually really interesting. I saw this post, I think, about a store, a lingerie store, I think in Sweden, who had their models be size 6 and 10. Mm-hmm. It might have been in Canada. I think it was Sweden, though. And um, people object- objected to it, saying that it was promoting obesity. Size 6? <laughs> But the average size for a woman in Canada is 12. I, okay, I don't know how big a size 6 is, I just like to say, because I have been a size 0, and I have a (laughs) pair of pants that says I'm a size 24. Mm -hmm. So... A size 6 is pretty close to me. I'm like a size 7. That's not obese. I know, (laughs) exactly! Yeah, I know, I think it's important how we represent people. Like, I know in France they have stricter regulations on, like, what models can be, and they have to be, like, not anorexic and Mm -hmm. eating and healthy and all that good stuff. I found this wonderful post that speaks to the ideal body type for women being classism, and it enforces the way the perfect way to treat women like trophies because back when women were thick as an ideal body type the Mm -hmm. only women who were able to look like that were rich and now the type is super thin and the only women who can look like that are the women who don't work labor jobs and can afford not to have carb diets Mm -hmm. and it talks about how basically men only go for rich women (laughs) and they've shifted how they objectify women not because of some biological thing where they're like oh yeah this is way better but because the form of the most privileged women has shifted, mm-hmm. and therefore the best trophy to keep has shifted. <laughs> so basically, they're gold diggers, is <laughs> what I'm hearing here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, I think it, what it's probably saying is that wealth is more of a desirable trait than any physical feature, and mm-hmm. the physical okay, features yeah. that we desire has shifted because of our desire for wealth. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because the male, like, peak form has stayed the same for a really long time. I guess, unless, except for that point where it was like, if you're fat, you're like... (laughs) King Henry IV, have you seen the portraits of him? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, 
he, I swear, <laughs> the, he got the portrait picture in there, and he, the guy was like, how wide should we make you? And he's like, just go ham, brother. <laughs> he looks like the old, like, Captain America Superman figures, where you're like, whoa, they're like a full-on triangle. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Except he's like, seven guys are his chest, <laughs> and it just goes down straight. It's so good. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Back to the question, because I've been thinking about this way too much, so I have so many things. But did you have that, like, I'm not like other girls phase? Um, like, a little bit. As much as every girl kind of does. Though, like, I'm not, I'm an individual, like, I'm not like this person. I'm different from everyone. I'm not, I'm not vapid. Mm -hmm. I'm not basic. I have a personality. I can't relate to other girls. First of all, media doesn't go into the deep (laughs) inner working of women's lives, so whatever. But I saw this other post that was talking about how women backstabbing women is taught, and it's a skill deliberately taught to girls to keep us divided. And it examines, like, childhood stories, which kind of goes back to, like, the Disney princesses, where boys are always, like, soldiers, they're brothers in arm, it's war, you're gonna help your brother, you're gonna fight the enemy, all that. And... Even in, like, the classic princess stories, where the females are the main characters, it always feels like there's a limited number of female places in the stories. And the girls are usually, like, solitary. Solidarity? Solidarity. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Mm -hmm. Beauty, they don't have a female friend. It's just them. Also, they literally domesticate animals rather than make girlfriends. I know... A lot of that, like, I know stories like um, Cinderella, she's kind of held captive by women, but in a lot of them, they're held captive by men Mm. or confined by men and then have a man rescue them and everything's fine. Yeah, and I think in Cinderella particularly, Mm -hmm. it's kind of view other girls as competition because otherwise they'll take your stupid glass slipper and what can mm-hmm. you possibly do without someone to rescue you? And I've seen a lot of, sorry, this is kind of off topic, but I've seen a lot of good things about how um, Cinderella, like a lot of people see Cinderella as just waiting for her her prince to come because she dealt with abuse and loving after you've been abused is really hard. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's a really cool take on it. Um, but also it showed, like, why did, why couldn't she, um, never mind. I don't know where, where I was going with that. But why did it have to, why did she have to be rescued, basically? And also. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if any of those thoughts were cohesive at all. Because <laughs> they definitely weren't cohesive <laughs> mm-hmm. in my brain, and I just kind of spewed them all out. So, there we are. We'll hope someone makes sense of that. Okay, kind of on the same topic, we can launch into what I was talking about, which is um, the trope about how the the woman and all the, the, the rom-coms takes off her glasses, and all of a sudden she's like, Ten times more beautiful. Uh, and you know, people can't be attractive with glasses, Ellie. Sad fact, <laughs> fact of life, you're gonna have to get laser eye surgery. We can't do this and have you walking around with glasses looking so unattractive. <laughs> and it's honestly awful because, like, if you took my glasses off, if you were, like, my wise best friend <laughs> who knew the ways of the world and told me, you need to take your glasses off and then you'll have the man of your dreams, I would kiss the wrong dude. Like, I would not be able to see a difference. (laughs) 
It's bold of you to assume you would kiss a dude and not end up just kissing the wall somewhere. Because oh, you were so blind. It's not like a, oh yeah, it's just a re- the wrong guy. No, you were kissing a plant and you won't know. Honestly, that, yeah, I can see that happening. But I remember, <laughs> I remember very clearly after when I was like, I don't know, how old was I? Seven or something? When I watched the You Belong With Me music video by Taylor Swift, who I absolutely love. But she takes she takes her glasses off and um, goes to like the prom night or whatever, whatever. And then the guy admits that he's in love with her. And my dad came up to me. He's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, why?" He's like, "Cause you don't need to take off your glasses to be pretty. Like you don't have to do that." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> That's good parenting right there. And I was only like seven, <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks." <laughs> your father. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if you can't. See that someone's attractive when they have glasses on, that's fine. We don't want to be dating you anyways. You clearly have no concept of spatial anything yeah. or object oh, permanence. Because everyone, almost everyone needs glasses eventually. Like, you, think, you think I'm going to just not have glasses now? Yeah. I would walk into so many things. <laughs> also, in the movies, the character's never unattractive before they take the glasses off. Mm-hmm. It's really ridiculous. It's just saying that, hey, this isn't attractive. What can we change about this person to make them more attractive? And then they just take off their glasses. (laughs) Adjoining to this, and also kind of you're like, sorry, now I'm on a tangent. And also kind of to your, how do we value women? Um, How in every like movie tailored for uh, dudes, typically, it's like the funny, lovable guy, but isn't that attractive? And then the really attractive girl uh, realizes, hey, uh, we should, I should uh, love this guy for who he is, not what he looks like. And then in every movie where the girl's trying to get a guy, she has to change everything about her appearance. And he's like, oh, yeah. Just reminds us that we are all competing for guys. And if we don't have a guy, what are we going to do? It makes me think a lot about how, as a society, we view love. Mm Because I know I have a lot of friends who I kind of hit high school And suddenly everyone was like, I don't have a boyfriend! (laughs) Oh no! And I was like, but last year we were fine. And they're like, but this year I'm in high school and I don't have a boyfriend. I'm not even going on dates. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh. And I've been thinking like, how would we view love differently if it wasn't the way it was seen in the media? Yeah, like a lot of movies um, right now that are tailored for our age group are set in high school. And it's like, I found the love of my life through this crazy random happenstance. And they're really attractive because they're actually played by a 23-year-old who's had so much time to sculpt their body. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can we talk about that for a second? Every teenager played by a 20 something year old Mm -hmm. is so weird (laughs) like i don't know anyone that looks like that stop it exactly i remember like watching shows when i was young like victorious or sam and cat and stuff and you thought that's what teenagers looked like i thought that's what teenagers looked like and so i'd see people like around the world (laughs) like when i would that and i'd be like oh that 26 year old looks like a teenager and it's not because they look like a teenager it's because they look like what people are telling us a teenager looks like. I mean, <laughs> yes, but also as a teenager, kids have been like, oh yeah, you're an adult. And I know for <laughs> sure as a kid, I was like, 
oh, those giants, those are clearly <laughs> adults. Like, everyone past the age of, like, 13 was like, oh, yeah, they're all just the same. My dad, that 15-year-old, the same. So yeah, old. That's, that's true. You don't really have a have as much perspective when you're six years old, <laughs> but... <laughs> I want to talk about white people baby names. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm still talking about this white people baby names. You know what I'm talking about. There's 13 ways to spell Bethany. There's at least 100 ways to spell Caitlin. <laughs> You've seen it. There's a C. There's a K. They do I's. They do Y's. And I'm just going to read this post word for word. <laughs> the thing about those white people baby names is the way they so poetically express the tension between individuality and rigid conformity. These parents all want to name their child something unique because they value the concept of uniqueness. Yet, simultaneously, they abhor it in practice. Ergo, 30 different <laughs> spelling variations on the most normative possible names. This homogeneity masquerading as diversity is inseparable from capitalist consumer culture and, in fact, is directly analogous to the experience of wit walking into a grocery store and being asked to choose between 50 varieties of toothpaste with the same exact ingredients, 12 brands of laundry detergent, etc., etc. And I read that, and I went, oh shoot, my brain has been broken. <laughs> yeah. Speaking as someone whose nickname is Ellie, yeah. which is like the most typical white girl name you can ever have. Yeah. But my parents decided to spell it Eli and just screw me over for life. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I understand that. But also, like, if you want a different name, just name your kid a different name. Don't take one name and then make it really hard to spell. Well, I feel like at this point, no one actually knows the correct way to spell any of them, sort of mm -hmm. like it was back before we had an actual written language, and people were just like, <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right. That's where we yeah. are right now, right? We just need to... I forget where I was going with that. We just need to write it all down. Unify it? Make it conformity? Uh, what's the word? I have no idea what you're going for. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to go on about um, celebrity baby names and how they're awful. No. No. Those are terrible, We'll do too, that a different way. <laughs> I, think, I think the idea of valuing the concept of uniqueness and abhorring it in practice is so terribly present almost everywhere in mm -hmm. our society. And it broke my brain a little. Said that already because I am a broken record. Yes, thank you. We should move on. It's you know how you see um, commercials on TV with a lot of white people being kind of dumb and needing these really seemingly useless products. We're back to TV products. Yes. Okay. Okay, but I read something and it kind of blew my brain, and it was saying that... I think that I've seen this. 90% of infomercial products are designed um, by or for people with disabilities. Yeah. Because who, who would need, like, something to help you pour milk? Not the people they show it, but someone who um, doesn't have the use of one hand or has hand tremors. Like, those people actually need these things, and it was kind of brain-blowing for me because I've always looked at them and been like why would I need that like <laughs> why would anyone buy that stupid product yeah no I think it's interesting but I think doing it like the commercials and the way they do it there's a word for them infomercials mm -hmm. uh provides a mainstream way for them to sell their product so that they can market it to everyone mm -hmm. and then make returns and also make it available to the disabled community or people who might actually use it 
Um, because if they if they had in their infomercial, like it was being used by some a person with disabilities, anyone without disabilities would see it and be like, oh, I I don't need that, and they would lose a lot of their market. But this way, they also tailor it to the dumb people who think, oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna buy that now, and the people who actually need it. So I understand why they do it, but it was just kind of brain blowing for me to to see like how how they're actually useful just not to the people they advertise towards like me <laughs> yeah and you know the dumb people is such a wide target market <laughs> i'm not even gonna lie you might have to segment mm-hmm. that down a little more my favorite example of this is the snuggie oh yeah you know the it's on the <laughs> blanket dress which sounds ridiculous looks ridiculous i really want one that's besides the, <laughs> the point but it's totally useful if you're in mm-hmm. a wheelchair. Because you can't put on a coat as easily. And yeah, no, I think we're definitely looking at the same thing. <laughs> I remember it. You know what the issue is? We both scroll and we both like the same ideas. And then we both remember <laughs> the same ideas. Because we are oh, the same no. flipping person. <laughs> Speaking of inventions, I'm just going to tie it into this really wacky invention I found. And I actually fact-checked this time to anyone who actually... Hey! Tangent, before we get there, before uh, the data came back, we finally had enough listens that we get the data, and there are people listening to our podcast. Oh no, why are you doing this? (laughs) (laughs) There are at least three of them, and most of them is my mother. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've listened to, like, one of them, so that might be me, but I don't know who the third person is. My mother's one of them. Someone else is one of them. Shout out to you, other person. Uh, Thanks for your support. I don't know why you listen to us. I'm sure you just clicked on us once and was like, I'm done. That's that's enough. (laughs) I wouldn't listen to us, but that's because I don't like Mm -hmm. to sound my own voice. So it's all good. Anyhow, uh, I looked up and I found the patent. So it's actually a thing. But in 1930, a woman named Helen Adelaide Shelby patented Adelaide yeah Helen that's such a cool no Adelaide is her middle name her last name is Shelby what the heck (laughs) we have her last name Shelby that's a first name she just has three first names (laughs) (laughs) oh I don't trust her I'm sorry well anyhow um she patented a quote-unquote apparatus for obtaining criminal confessions so the police put the suspect into a darkened room where they're confronted by a human skeleton with glowing red eyes that questions them with a voice transmitted from the interrogator behind it through a megaphone in its mouth. And a camera con- concealed in the skull was to record the confessions. And this is an actual thing. Okay, so I would like to say when you introduced the concept, I'm pretty sure my eyebrows touched each other. I was so concerned and confused. <laughs> Having heard about it, I would just like to say it's illegal to impersonate God, according to the Bible. <laughs> We're not supposed to have idols. <laughs> oh, oh, man. But it's like, I guess, like, you're looking into the face of death or whatever. But I would like... That's a full, just Wizard of Oz. That's oh, it what is that kind is, of, right? yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Go, tell me your crimes, and then kill the Witch of the West! I don't know why they need a human skeleton if the only light is the red eyes would be scary enough, but... (laughs) Right, but walking into a room with glowing red eyes and just a skeleton there, and it's like, (laughs) confess your crimes! I would be shaking! (laughs) I'd be like, okay, please don't hurt me. I will tell you anything you want to know. (laughs) No idols, though. We don't believe in it. 
No idols. <laughs> I have a joke for you. Oh, okay. It's one line, and you're going to hate it. Okay. A steak pun is a rare medium. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was really bad. (laughs) But also excellent. Whoever came up with it, I don't know who, clearly put a lot of time into it. I'm going to tell my dad and he's going to absolutely love it. Can you, like, text it to me so I don't forget? (laughs) Anyway. Absolutely. I will text it to you after this. Oh, that's excellent. It's such a dad joke on so many levels. Uh, you plan to get married, I assume. Uh, yes, eventually. <laughs> don't get married in Korea. Or do, I don't care, I'm not your boss. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but if you do get married in Korea, I'm giving you ducks. Oh, I will take ducks. Sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, so in Korea, it was tradition to give people ducks mm-hmm. at their wedding. Because the ducks would represent peace. Fidelity and and plentiful offspring, which is so sweet. In no way does ducks make me think peaceful, because they are so loud. I know. <laughs> it's because the Mandarin ducks would mate for life, so it's like, ooh, <laughs> give you ducks. I mean, now they do, like, carved wood ducks, and they have, like, a whole set of lists for the guy mm-hmm. who has to carve your ducks. He has to be wealthy, he has to be in good health, he has to have a good wife, he can't be divorced, he can't have relatives who are divorced. And he has to have many sons. <laughs> so you can get wood ducks instead of actual ducks, but there's a whole mess of criteria That's kind there. of like how, um, I think in Viking culture, the man would have to give his wife a kitten on the announcement of their engagement, I think, <laughs> to show that he would be able to That's care for the, so the woman. To be honest, I would much rather get a kitten than ducks. <laughs> also, I thought instead of Viking culture that you said biking culture. Yeah. And I was like... Is biking a cult? <laughs> wow, my voice did something there. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Biking though. is definitely a cult. Biking as in motor biking or as in just pedal biking? Pedal biking, for sure. <laughs> Not motor biking. Come All on. those super tough, like, 12 year olds on their bikes. <laughs> I was thinking more of the guys you see when they get, like, the biker shorts and the actual thing. Man shorts. And they have, like, the tires that are, like, an inch oh, wide, yeah. maybe. And they can't go anywhere because if they hit a rock, they're going to wipe out. <laughs> That's who I was thinking of. There is a tree in the United States that owns itself. I've heard of this. It doesn't belong to anyone. It owns itself because uh, there was a guy in the early 1800s who, like, loved this tree because he grew up with this tree and wanted to make sure it was protected. So he deeded the ownership of the tree to itself, and everyone was just like, yeah, sure, why not? And then later in um, 1942, a big windstorm, like, knocked it over, and people were so sad, um, but someone had saved but someone had saved an acorn from the tree, so they planted it, and now the son of the tree that owns Aww. itself is living there, and since, <laughs> sorry, it's a second-generation self-owning tree. Yeah, because since the tree is technically the offspring of the original, uh, it legally inherited the land that it's oh on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My question is, why wasn't there an issue when the guy was like, yeah, I'm giving the deed of this tree to itself? Why was no one like, hey, man, you can't do that. You can't be like, I mean... I don't know. There's a lady out there who married a train station, so oh, yeah. maybe all things are legal. Hmm. 
I like that we both just know the same facts. <laughs> Who knows if they're, they're true, because neither of us have fact-checked any of them. There was a lady my teacher told me about, so I hope it's true, um, that married a chandelier, but had a different chandelier <laughs> that she cheated on the first chandelier with. Wait, she married multiple chandeliers? No, she married one chandelier and then cheated on her husband's chandelier with another chandelier. Did she get a divorce? I have no idea. <laughs> That's all I heard of that story, but it's How dare so she amusing. cheat on her chandelier husband? That's yeah. so rude. Marriage vows are supposed to be for life, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no idols. Marriage vows are for life. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. If you got a duck on your wedding as a wedding gift, please email us at same pod as oh my gosh, what's our email? We never say it, so I don't know. At samemindspod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for watching. Remember, we are probably the same person, and we will see you next week. Woo woo! That was so awkward. <laughs> okay, bye everybody. <laughs>